0: If you'll take God's word in hand and open to book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, it's on page 613 in your pew Bible. The word of God. Who has believed what he has heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. Like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. Make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. If you'll... Turn to the New Testament, book of the Gospel of John, chapter 10, page 896 in the Pew Bible. We're not exactly sure when this was, time frame in the ministry of Christ, um, perhaps about four weeks maybe as much as two months prior to his passion and death on the cross, he's offering these words to his disciples. John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by some other way, that man is a thief and a robber. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was talking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, "'I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear, me, bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand.'" My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Let's ask God to be with us as we consider his word this evening. Father, we are humbled when we consider how little we understand uh, concerning uh, your will and your ways, your power, your glory, your majesty, your love. When we consider how easily we are distracted Um, by the needs and interests of this life, how easily we're led astray by temptation, how easily influenced by the behavior of unbelievers around us, how easily tempted Uh, we're humbled. We renew our thanks to you for such a great Savior and pray that the strength of his life and love would animate our love to you. Pray that the the Holy Spirit would be with us this evening and every day, helping us to grow in grace and godliness by enabling us to better understand your word and experience the power of it. We ask your blessing upon it now in our Savior's name. Amen. Two passages we read this evening are... Uh, Two very familiar passages. Uh, They concern the person and work of the Savior redeeming his people. Um, Subject of our consideration of John 10 this evening is verse 17 and 18. And uh, the three points that we'll draw from this are that the Lord Jesus was on a deadly mission that involved the laying down of his life, that the Son of God did it voluntarily, but under obligation to the love of his Father and the love of his people. And thirdly, the mystery and power of Jesus' love for his people. Jesus said to his disciples on this evening, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one lays it from me, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So much error has crept into uh, the church's understanding of the person and work of the Savior by a failure to hearken unto the mystery that our Lord Jesus Christ sets before us here. And we don't have to understand how it all works, but that He sets these words before His disciple and before us is crucial to our understanding who He was, how His life was lived, how He died, why He died, and how He rose from the dead. In four weeks, we'll be celebrating His resurrection on Easter. And Russell has very helpfully been working through the Gospel of Luke and looking up to uh, our Lord Jesus turning to Jerusalem, turning to the cross, setting his face uh, on that. Very appropriate because our Lord Jesus' primary mission, coming into the world as the Son of God, becoming man, was to save his people from their sins. He reminds those who are listening to him on this occasion and us, that while the Father loved him in all respects, every aspect of his person, his relationship to the Father, he had a special love for the Lord Jesus because of his willingness to lay down his life for God's people. My Father loves me, Jesus said, because I lay down my life. This was a contract that the Lord Jesus made with his father in eternity past that uh, came to application when our first parents sinned against God. The ink was dry on the contract when Eve took the apple and disobeyed God and Adam followed her in that disobedience. This was part of God's plan to reveal his glory, his love. No guilt passes to God because of man's sin. That was entirely on him Our first parents hearkened unto the lies of the powers of darkness to Satan. They believed that lie and acted on it. You and I face similar temptations. Nothing but the grace of God can steal us, fortify us, help us in the hour of temptation. Our first parents were without sin. You and I are not. In a situation, a condition, where they were without sin, they yielded to the lie. No surprise that God's people in every age, those made alive by the Holy Spirit, those experiencing saving grace, still struggle with temptation and sin. What a comfort then to be reminded by our Lord Jesus' words here that the Father loves him because he lays down his life voluntarily and has authority to take it again, that his laying down of his life wasn't conditioned on our loving him, but primarily on his loving the Father and the Father's loving loving him. This truth uh, was the wonder of angels and the disarming of demons. Nothing uh, astounds, I think, the angelic world more than the love which God the Father has for his son as it's mirrored in his love for those the Father gave him. It confounds understanding that almighty God, self-sufficient, self-satisfied, content in himself, would take upon himself such a cost, such a display of affection. I suspect there was um, a great burden to our Lord Jesus' flesh. Uh, the mystery of the hypostatic union of the Son of God with the the humanity he took on his incarnation, Uh, you and I will never fully understand how he could be both God and man fully. And much of what Russell's been helpfully bringing out in his preaching uh, last Lord's Day and this morning Uh, Shows us the, the confliction that our Lord Jesus had in himself between the confidence that was his as the Son of God, not only knowing the sovereignty of God, but experiencing the sovereignty of God as God Himself and His humanity. God doesn't need to eat, but when our Lord Jesus didn't eat, He got hungry. Our Lord Jesus, as the Son of God, was sovereign over all of his creation and feared no one. And yet his flesh, as a man, cringed under the weight of what was waiting for him in going to the cross. To include the the physical anguish to his flesh, chiefly the burden of the wrath of his Father, for the sins of his people. So important. And some of the most, so important that we uh, we yield and take God's word as he lays it before us without fully understanding the working out of it. And the, the, the failure to do that has led to most of the serious mistakes in theology over the course of history insisting on understanding how it all works. We can mark it down here that the the father and the son have a very special relationship that's eternal. And the special aspect of the father's love for the son uh, who became man and his willingness to lay down his life That willingness put Christ on a deadly course that resulted in his death and the crushing weight of the Father's wrath against the sins of his people. That was the first point. The second is that he did this voluntarily. No one takes it from me, Jesus said. I lay it down of myself. I have authority or power to lay it down, and I have a power and authority to take it again. This command I've received from my Father. The Lord Jesus was constrained by his love of the Father. This put him under obligation to the Father. But he did so voluntarily, and that's such a beautiful picture of what true love is. We offer ourselves in partial ways, in limited ways, to care for one another, those who are dear to us. We do it imperfectly. Professing that love obligates us to do it for them. And there is no greater betrayal in the horizontal human relationship that's shared between human beings than the betrayal of love. For an individual to nurture confidence in my love for them, for him, for her, and then not to fulfill that love, not to act on it, to betray them with hurt, with harm, gives great offense. We expect our enemies, we expect those who are not our friends, we don't expect much from them, though we may receive it. But for those who profess to love us, we, especially that we trust to love us, we expect great things, remarkable things, sacrifices, service, help. It should be a wonderful comfort, source of comfort to us that the deadly mission that the Lord Jesus took upon himself to reconcile God's people to him was undertaken voluntarily, constrained by his love of the Father, but taken on voluntarily. He loved those that the father gave him. The father loved them. And because he loved them, he, they, he gave them to his son. His son received them. And because he loved the father, he agreed to be and do everything necessary to bring the two together forever. He received this command from his father. It was Abraham's great confidence that the covenant God made with him would be fulfilled not because Abraham was a godly man, but because God was holy and just. The same is true for Moses. The same is true for David. Men whom the scriptures are very careful to point out were sinful men. It wasn't because of their godliness. It wasn't because of their ability to always get it right that God's promises to them were maintained. It's because God was holy and just and good. That's why you and I uh, never want to grow weary of regarding the Lord Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of our salvation. It's his devotion. It's his commitment. It's his ability to please God, to fulfill all righteousness, to pay for the sins of his people that guarantees to us our reconciliation to God. Therefore, my father loves me Because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. No one takes it from me. Well, he's speaking as one assured of God's sovereignty there, his father's and his own. Those who crucified him certainly felt they were taking it from him. Those that drove in the nails those that cried out for his crucifixion whether the complacency of pilate or the anger and volitional enmity of the religious leaders the roman soldiers that drove the nails into his hands into his feet who did you crucify today they would have taken it as the first first person action I crucified that guy who claimed to be the king of the Jews. And yet behind that was the sovereignty of God working powerfully. Jesus could say truthfully, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This brings us to the third point, which is the mystery and power of true love and the the unique opportunity that God's people, those who, who know him savingly, have to experience an understanding of what's going on around us that the world doesn't understand. So much happens. So much is happening. So much will happen to me and to you in the days of our lives, that we can easily interpret as God forgetting us, as terrible, as something to hate God for. That's why it's so important for us to make our calling and election sure and knowing that we have the spirit of God working in us, the love of God, working in us a love for God to regard everything as part of his plan for us. The mystery and power of true love was most significantly displayed at Golgotha. The mystery and power of true love as the Lord Jesus gave himself to be crucified and to experience in his crucifixion in spirit the weight of the wrath of the Father for the sins of his people, his experience of hell for them. No greater love has ever been displayed in the whole history of mankind. The Father has never displayed a greater love for his people than what happened that day to his son. On Golgotha, and as the father laid on him his wrath and brought the Lord Jesus to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The mystery and power of true love. Even on a human level, we, we will fail to understand why. She still loves me. Why? Dad still loves me. Why? Why? My friend still loves me. Why you still love them? There's a power to true love, sincere love, real love, that confuses and confounds sin. I think this is true, not in a redemptive way, but it's true even among unbelievers. And that's why the whole theme of love of caring, is so powerful within the history of mankind, within our communities. People value it. They desire it, even if they can't exercise it themselves. And the greatest guilt they will ever experience is behaving in contradiction to love shown to them. One of the greatest privileges that you and I have in is displaying love to those who are unlovable in many respects, caring for them. That's why the ministry of diaconal assistance is such an important supplement to, complement to the gospel. It's, it's not. Giving a person a cup of cold water isn't the gospel until it's done in Jesus' name. Giving a thirsty person a cup of cold water, they're going to value that and appreciate that. But it becomes redemptive when it's done in Jesus' name. Which isn't to say that the person's going to be saved by that act of you giving them a cup of cold water. But it's an act of kindness that God can bless and use to bring them to himself. To show them the much greater love that he displayed in sending his son into the world. My father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. You can be sure as a professed child of God that the father loves you at every point. He loves you in a special way at every point where you choose To put Him first, to lay down your life, to yield your life, your desires, your pleasures for His honor and glory. Different for us, but very similar. We can't say with the Lord Jesus that we can take up our life again, He did have that authority. He knew that if, after he was crushed by the Father's holiness, after he was pierced for the transgressions of his people, after he was dead and in the grave, no one was going to have to come to him and say, Arise, Jesus, come forth. He had that authority given to himself to do that, to get up. to arise, to lay aside his, the shroud that he'd been wrapped in. And this is one of the oldest prophecies that we have in God's word, uh, reaffirmed over and over and over again. Lord Jesus is comforting himself with this here, and while he gives the words to his disciples, they clearly don't understand everything he's saying, But later on, they will understand it in greater measure. It's given for our instruction. So that as we uh, draw down to the celebration of the Passover, uh, the celebration of our Savior's, uh, the annual celebration of our our Savior's crucifixion, and his burying the sins of his people, may be a great source of encouragement to us that he did so uh, out of love to his Father out of love to his people with great strength and confidence of the success of his mission. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for such a Savior as your Son, for our Lord Jesus. We didn't know him in eternity past, but he knew us. Uh, We didn't love him as he deserves to be loved until he loved us. We thank you for the great hope that is ours, that being yours, we will experience his life and love forever. And that by your grace working in us, we will be enabled, being with him and like him, Uh, to love him, to love you, to love the Holy Spirit, to love your people in glory in ever-increasing measure throughout eternity. Receive our praise. Be with us and those dear to us who are yours as your people this evening and in the coming days. We pray in our Savior's name. Amen.